Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Cat Builder Talk Radio Show with your host, small business expert, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Join us every Monday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildernetwork. Enjoy the show. Thank you. 
The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative, and that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Yes, the buzz has begun. The 7th Annual Nonprofit Trinity Awards will be taking place at the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center, 900 West End Avenue, Southwest Atlanta, Georgia, 30310, on Sunday, August the 26th. Women, get out those beautiful gowns, and men, look sharp with your tuxes. Best swag. Walk down the red carpet at 5 p.m., and the show begins at 6 p.m. Oh, yes, there will be hors d'oeuvres, entertainment, and so much more. Go to www.nonprofittrinityawards.org for more information. Hey, this is Mark Parham, host of the Cat Builder Talk radio show. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business in our community today, helping you build the capacity to change your life, helping you to walk in your purpose. We have a great show for you today on the Cat Builder Minute. I'm going to discuss what your plans are for the rest of the year and simple things to give up if you want to be successful. The topic for the show tonight. The Urban Business Institute changing the world of small business. If you're starting or growing a small business, it's become one of the most important ways that people are choosing to change their life. This is great if you learn how to do it the right way. On the show today, we're going to discuss how to do it the right way with Professor Devin Robinson, founder of the Urban Business Institute. We're going to be here to discuss how the Urban Business Institute is changing entrepreneurship one business at a time. So first, we're going to do the Cat Builder Minute. And then we're going to come back with Professor Devin Robinson of the Urban Business Institute. All this today on the Cat Builder Talk radio show. I'll be back in a moment. Brought to you by Understood.org and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to the Cap Builder Talk radio show with your host, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people, talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Hey, this is Mark Parham, and I'm back. I'm going to do my Cap Builder Minute after a few minutes. This is where I try to help you understand things about how to change your life and grow your business. I'm going to talk tonight about choice and decisions. It comes down to what are your plans for the rest of the year? You know, June is a great time to review your choices and decisions. But I don't want you to confuse the two because sometimes the words really do mean different things. You know, choice is not the same thing as decision. Choices are, are needed to clarify some of our priorities while decisions are needed to make things happen. So now in June is a great time to look back at the first six months of the year and to look forward to the remaining six. It's also the ideal moment to do a plan for the rest of the year. I'm going to do a plan for myself, and I'm going to help some of my clients with their planning. So I'm going to invite you to take a look at your achievements and to critically review the objectives I want you to reach by the end of December. You know, in, in choosing and when doing planning, it's important that you make a distinction between choices and decisions. You know, choices are what matters most. A decision is sometimes the act of or need for making up one's mind, while a choice means the right, the power, or the opportunity to choose. Decision is process-oriented and backward-looking. Choices are value-oriented and forward-looking. So I want you to think about the choices that you're going to make. They have to do with mindset and perception. We make choices when we face various opportunities, but have to choose which one to follow. Choices set the direction that we need to go in, okay? So I want you to think about this as we move into the rest of the year because I want you to take action, you know? So I want you to do these three things. I want you to, one, take a moment to look back at what you've achieved this year. Look for things you can be proud of. Number two, I want you to choose one or two goals that you feel are possible and worthwhile to accomplish by the end of the year. And three, I want you to decide to let go of one habit. Just let go of one thing you know is hindering you, be it in personal or in business. So I want to talk for a few minutes about some things to give up if you want to succeed, some habits you may want to let go, okay? One is trying to be perfect, you know. When you try to be perfect, you set yourself up for failure. So it's not a quest for the best, but a way of telling yourself you'll never be good enough. So I don't want you to worry about being perfect. I don't want you to also play small, expand your horizons, go big, grow. You know, it, it can be painful sometimes, but I want you to focus on it. Also, I don't want you waiting for luck. A lot of times people say you're lucky. Things happen because we're lucky. That's not the case. I don't want you waiting on it. I want you to step out there. Matter of fact, I don't want you waiting for anything. If there's something you need to do, you need to get out there and do it. So those of you that use that word wait, it's a bad word. So I want you to start looking at that word and getting around it. Also, I want you to stop needing approval. You know, a lot of us want approval from our friends and the people around us. Don't let those opinions of others consume you. Just get out there and make it happen for yourself. 
And also, you know, don't try to do it alone. There are people out here that can help you. You're not by yourself. So don't make empty promises to yourself. I don't want you fixating on your weaknesses. I don't want you blaming others. I don't want you overlooking your negative thoughts. And most of all, I don't want you living in the past. A lot of us make decisions based on what had happened, as they say. I want you to think about the things that are happening. Don't make small goals. Don't hold on to grudges. And stop saying, I can't. That's a big one. Stop complaining. And one big one, and I may stop at this, I don't want you spending time with negative people. A lot of us do that. We, we get around people that can kind of drag us down because of negativity. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to start being around positive people. Because I want you to do like Brother Jenny Brown said. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel good about listening to this the show. Great show. We're talking about the Urban Business Institute. I'm going to take a short break, and when I come back, we're going to start this conversation about the world of entrepreneurship changing one business at a time. This is the Mark Fire on the Cat Builder Talk Radio Show. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. We want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to the Cat Builder Talk radio show with your host, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people. Talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Hey, this is Mark Parham. You know, we're getting ready to have this conversation about entrepreneurship, but I just want to set the stage for this talk. You know, minority businesses have, have grown at an exponential rate in the 21st century. You know, 2018 is shaping up to be a banner year for entrepreneurship. There are a great number of African-American and other minorities-owned businesses in the U.S., and there are countless platform programs and initiatives and conferences and places to support such growth. But the most important fact about doing all this is that you got to learn how to do it correctly. You know, there's a lot of programs out here that I run into, a lot of people that claim they can help you in business. But occasionally you run across organizations that have the right people, have the right information and the right strategy on doing that. And tonight I'm going to introduce you to one. This is the Urban Business Institute led by Professor Devin Robinson, 
and I have him here this, on the show today to explain to us what he's working on. So, Professor, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on the program. It's such an illustrious introduction. Yeah, man. We're going to tell you, you're going to hear a lot more of that in a few minutes because I think it's so important. <laughs> it's so important to really talk about, you know, people that are out here really making it happen. You know, I didn't read your bio, but I do want to read a little bit of it. You know, you're a former economics and business professor, entrepreneur, prize winning mm-hmm. economist, thought provoking speaker, and 10 time author, not one time, not two time, 10 time <laughs> author. And, and his latest book being 50 Obstacles for Black Entrepreneurs Face and How to Overcome Them. You know, I, I have to say all that because I want to set the stage for who you are and why you're able to do what you do. But what I'd like you to do just for, you know, 30 seconds or your the elevator pitch and when you go out and you're at a meeting and they stand up and say, who are you, and tell us about your organization, can you just give us a brief description of what your organization is and what you do, and then we'll get into the discussion about entrepreneurship and your views on it. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm Professor Devin Robinson. Um, I am the founder of Urban Business Institute, where we teach people um, the art of entrepreneurship and, and becoming enterprises is the buzzword that we, we like to use. Um, the, the thing is, there's a lot of people, that, you know, there are five stages to, to business ownership, um, idea, part-time business, um, self-employed where you're just employing yourself, uh, staff employed where you're able to employ a staff, and then it becomes generational. Um, Many people get stuck at the first three stages, whether idea or people are just doing it part-time, or some people are fortunate enough to get past the part-time where they're doing their businesses on the side um, or in the evenings or, you know, online, you know, they're working around their work schedule uh, to become someone that uh, can be a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, but even as a full-time entrepreneur, when you're, you're doing enough business that you can pay yourself, rarely even, uh, there's, you know, there are people that, especially from our community, that ascends from that stage where they actually have a staff working for them. And that's really uh, stages three to four and five is really where we put uh, the pedal to the metal for entrepreneurs from our community. Uh, because statistics show that um, our community, uh, we're the number one one-man CEO. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, CEO of one-man companies in America, mm-hmm. meaning we are the people that, you know, get the EINs and, and, and register our businesses, but then we just become the sole employee of the business. The black community leads that statistic. And it's 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 kind of um, – there's a lot of obstacles that are in the way of that, you, you know, and, and really that's what Urban Business Institute focuses on, getting people to actually build enterprises that people can come in, get jobs, they can build a legacy, and you're not a, a slave or you're imprisoned to your business. Okay. So, you know, before we get to the Urban Business Institute, let's talk for a little bit about you, you know. Why you? Uh, you know, the whole perspective on your background and experience, what makes you able to help paradigm you just discussed? Yeah, so what what's what's so interesting is um I was not raised by full time entrepreneurial parents. 
Um, and I have not lived a life of sole entrepreneurship. So I'm really just someone who rose out of the ranks of what is expected of the black community. And, you know, the, the average, the, you know, the, the dominant number of us in a community, we we work. You know, we we have jobs, whether we're for uh, corporate or government, and we, we lead our lives. And, you, you know, we retire. Uh, in many cases, people retire to then start businesses. You know, we, we create the safety net before we go out there and take the risk. And that was the journey that I was on. I mean, my mother's a retired police officer. My dad is a retired uh, uh, food and beverage director of, of Marriott. He worked for 30-something years. Um, so entrepreneurship was not really a conversation in my family, but it became something that was burning in my spirit. You know, um, I was in the military, so I worked in government. I'm a trained network engineer, so I worked in corporate America. So I understand I understand being on the other side of the fence, you know, going in, clocking in, working for someone, um, just going in and following the rules that were already set before you got there. But there was just something burning in me. So I've always kind of like dibbled and dabbled with stuff, um, with entrepreneurship. Um, from when I was in the military to when I was even working in corporate America, I kind of did things um, that would generate me some additional income, but the income was nothing to to write home about it, it wasn't enough to for me to you know resign from a job, but then some unfortunate things happened in my in the, the corporation that I was working for. Uh, it went through an accounting scandal. It was a nine billion dollar accounting scandal about fifteen years ago, um, and I was facing you know layoffs and and I'm watching people get laid off and I'm working in a building with a hundred and fifty. Uh, employees, and by the time I decided to resign, we were down to three. So about a year before I resigned, I started to put a plan in place to to become a full-time entrepreneur and just pursue my dreams and do that full-time. One of the scariest things that I've ever done, but I just believed in myself enough that I could figure this thing out. And one of the reasons why I started Urban Business Institute was because back then, though I went to college, all my degrees are in business. You know, going to college does not really, really prepare you for running a like you're talking about taking a raw idea or raw products and turning it into a finished good that actually turns that into an enterprise. Colleges really don't teach you all of that. They teach you business management, how to manage existing resources. So. I was out there flapping. I, I, I failed in some areas. I lost money. I made mistakes, but I was you know, able to recover as I went along the way. And about, I don't know, maybe seven, ten years or so into it, I started thinking about what if there was an organization that had entrepreneurs as the instructors? Because in college, the professors were not entrepreneurs, like full-time entrepreneurs. They were people that yeah. had degrees. You know, the qualification to teach your college is a degree, not owning a business, right? So right, right, they, right. they're coming out of the ranks of corporate America. They got the degrees, and then they're teaching you about this stuff. But, but I'm asking very deep questions about, well, how do we, like, take third world countries and, and turn them into, like, stabilized economies? And they're looking at me like, what are you trying to learn? That's not what you're supposed to be taught. So the questions that I'm asking about – you know, if you're fate with a cash shortfall and you can only pay your rent, taxes, or payroll, which one should you pay? And they don't have the answers for me. And I said, what if there was an organization that had actual successful CEOs 
as the instructors that provided training and assistance at a very low cost, what would that do for our community, for the people that probably can't get into college because they may have a felony conviction so they can't get student loans, individuals that started families from a young age and now they don't have the time to go to college because they're busy trying to survive day to day? What what would happen for those individuals if we had a low-cost tuition, high-impacting, real training that can really change your life and teach you how to become wealthy and leave a legacy, and have a schedule that is very convenient that you're not having to uh, uh, take, make a choice of going to work or spending time with your family in order to come get trained. That just stuck with me for a while until I just sat down and, and, and mapped it out and started this organization that ju- that does just that. And to date, we are, you know, just tooting our horn a little bit, we are responsible for a number of millionaires out here that went on to start businesses and do very well. First off, toot your horn, okay? <laughs> you know, it's important. You know, something else I want to say, you said it was, you had your business you were working for had something unfortunate happen, and I really want to turn that around. It was fortunate for you because otherwise you may still be there. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's one of those things where so your aha moment happened, you know, when you decided, when you took a look and started asking all these questions, and you came up with the Urban Business Institute. Now, you're not having, you know, a history of entrepreneurship, not really knowing about it. It had to be quite frightening to step out here on your own and kind of start this. You know, what did that feel like? Let me tell you how frightening it was. So at the time, I'm married with three small children. My youngest son was four years of age. That's when I decided to go out and be a full-time entrepreneur. My wife was not working. She was in school full-time because she as well was – uh, working in corporate America, trying to complete her degrees, but doing it part time is, you know, taking a class here and there because you're working around your work schedule. Y- mm-hmm. You're never going to get it completed. So I said, Nah, we gotta, we gotta go out there and take the chance. We gotta, we gotta let go of some of the luxury items we have and some of the conveniences we have, so that we can have the, the, the time and the resource to really invest in building our legacy and our wealth. So she left her corporate job maybe about a year before I did, and then when it was time for me to leave, um, it was very, very frightening. I remember, I recall at that time getting up, uh, let's just say my first week <laughs> being an entrepreneur, <laughs> and I got up, and I had no idea what to do because when I, when I left, I didn't have like – a business already in place. What I did was mm-hmm. I used real estate at my advantage at that time. So I had a few rental properties that I had acquired that was part of my plan to get out of corporate okay. America. So, okay. so I was collecting rent. I was collecting rent money, and we really downsized a lot of our luxuries, got rid of luxury car, got rid of a lot of wasteful spending. So we tried to get our expenses down to the amount of uh, the rent that we were collecting. From the, from the rental properties. So that made it a little manageable um, because we had some level of income coming. 
but I knew it was okay. not enough to to really weather major storms, right? It was just enough for me mm-hmm. to like get my ideas going. <laughs> so when I left, I remember that first week, man. I was I was lost. <laughs> I remember like not like I'm I'm sitting around the house like so what do I do? Because I was so used to doing what a corporation was telling me to do. So right, I'm like, okay, right. so how do you get how do you get health insurance? Um, what should I do at ten o'clock in the morning? Because usually at this mm-hmm. time I'm like checking the orders and provisioning mm-hmm. networks and so what do I do at ten? Uh when do I eat? So at three o'clock what should I do? And I remember like leaving the house, driving and seeing like so I had like a new experience, right? And and I, I mm-hmm. you know, I rarely talk about this, but I had a new experience where I was like driving downtown Atlanta uh around ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. For no reason. I just like wanted to feel like I was doing something, right? <laughs> so I'm driving downtown and I'm seeing all of these small business vehicles. So like I'm seeing like HVAC guys and plumbing guys and electricians and I'm seeing like mm-hmm. the, the pest control guys and I'm seeing the little pickup trucks and the, the vans and they're moving around and I'm like so this is a new world that I'm seeing because I'm so used to being in traffic with all of the people in the rat race going to work. Wow. But I now, now I'm getting to right. see yeah. yeah, now I'm getting to see small business at work. And small business people mm-hmm. are moving around at ten o'clock in the morning. They're going to yeah. you know, do their jobs and what's that and it, it made me feel like there was a transformation. It was almost like wow. A transformation on the highways when the when the eighteen uh, wheelers are driving overnight, so a lot of the passenger mm-hmm. cars are now off the road, and, and you're mm-hmm. seeing like the eighteen wheelers moving the shipping stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's a tr- there's there are different worlds that exist in our country, right here on the highway, just depending on what time of the day that you decide to be out. So I kind of started getting these like epiphanies, like, oh man, so these people are out here doing their business and blah blah and. It just became like a a new euphoric experience for me to give me a taste of like what business is 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 really like. And up until that point, I was just in eight o'clock traffic in the morning and five o'clock traffic in the evening with everyone else that was just like me in their unmarked private cars going to and from work. You know, I, I never thought about that, but I travel at different times of the day, and you're absolutely correct. In different times of the day, is different traffic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when did you start, you know, writing these books? You know, I do want to talk about your latest book, but you got ten time author. When when did that happen? Yeah, so okay, so around the time that I was working for that corporation, um I uh I I started to like really, really invest in my mind, right? So I said if I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur, my mind has to be right, and I know this. So I need to um, focus on getting a different perspective in life. So I started reading a lot of books, right? So, um, you know, one of the top books that a bunch of people read is Think and Grow Rich, Millionaire Next Door, yeah. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I started, I needed to, right, Who Moved yeah. My Cheese. I needed to get some perspective, yeah. right? Right. So I started to learn, and my juices started to to, to get awakened, and my creativity. And what happened was, I started writing short motivational messages. Now let me tell you how organic this was. I had no idea that any of this was going to happen. I had 
I really had no idea I was going to be writing books. Like, I, I didn't know that that was in me. Um, but I started writing, like, little motivational messages, and I would send them to the people in my address book on my email. So I would be doing that on at the corporate companies and computers, right? So I'm, like, you know, friends are sending jokes, and I'm sending, like, motivational stuff, you know, stuff that's original that I wrote. And one of my messages made its way to an editor of a, of a, of a magazine, of a newspaper, and she emailed me and said, you know, these are some good messages. Uh, would you consider writing for our newspaper? And I was wow. like, writing for your newspaper? They said, yeah, it's a paid gig. You know, you can write weekly messages because these are compelling for our newspaper. And I was like, okay, great. So I started doing that. I'm, I'm still working my job, and I decided to do that in 2003. And the mess, the, my, my column became so popular. I mean, it became so popular that, People were writing me all the time, and I was being called by schools to do speaking engagements and stuff. And I'm like, wow, wow. speaking engagements, okay, this is new. And, and then I started to get emails from people asking about books. You, have you ever thought about writing a book? Do you have a website where we could buy your books? And I'm like, books? I, I know, I don't have any books. How do you even go about doing that? <laughs> wow. So I started researching, and I found someone to uh, publish my book. And I wrote my very first book, and that's what happened. And I wrote my first book, and I sold something like 3,000 copies in the first 10 days. And wow. when the books were selling, I'm still, I'm still working about um, maybe about six months out before I resigned. Uh, my books were selling, but I, di- I started to get, like, royalty checks. And the checks oh, didn't God. look right. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at these checks like, I sold a lot of books. Why am I only getting a check for, like, 40 bucks? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's how it worked. Your royalty, you know how that goes. So I said, nah, I'm going to I'm gonna start my own company, and I'm going to publish my books under my own company, Going Against the Grain Publications. And that's when I, I wrote my second book. Um, second book was not as popular as the first, first book, obviously, because I'm learning how to market books and right. stuff. But by the time right. I started getting – right. By the time I started getting to the third and fourth book, I started to hit my stride. Um, I had the column going. I'm speaking. I created a newsletter back then. I mean, you know, that was cutting edge back then, right, to have a newsletter, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, an email yeah, newsletter. That was, that was yeah, so people are, yeah, people are signing up, and so I got the newsletter going, and I just started building a fan base. So what would happen is anytime I sent emails or sent something encouraging them to buy my books, I would be selling more and more books, and that's really how that came to life. I just I wrote my first book. My first book was about transforming your mind, right? So the book was called Changing Your Mind One Degree at a Time. And I wrote a book about taking a six-month journey in your own life um, to kind of like stop, make things go still, and really assess everything in your life to see if these things in your life, in your life is hurtful for you or if it's taking you to the next level from your social to intellectual, developmental, financial, relational, everything. And that book, like I said, turned out to be a hit. Um, so that's kind of where I started. So all my that's books became good. like motivational how-to books. But by the time I hit my seventh book, that's when I really started selling a lot of copies. I mean, to date, I've sold over 50,000 copies of my books mm-hmm. under my own company. No radio wow. show. Uh, no real platform, just 
through my newsletter yes. and maybe a few events that I that I attended. So well, that's how my book well, career came to life. Well, really, you had great content, and that's what people like, you know. But you know, but the yeah. takeaways from everything you just said, you would not have gotten started with this unless you invested in yourself when you started doing the, you know, reading the books and learning and things like this. Investment is not always a financial thing. It's time. You know, the yeah, time you absolutely. took to read those books. And I, I really like the fact that, you know, the, the biggest thing or the scariest thing sometimes in walking in purpose is that we don't exactly know where we're going, but we're walking by faith. And it's kind of interesting how you're describing things that you say, doing those motivational messages and, you know, all of a sudden you got opportunity. You know, yeah, so absolutely. You know, the one that, that I, not, yeah, I didn't that, chase or I didn't go after, yeah. No, but that's what I, I think is important about our conversation this evening. I, I try to convince people to just get out there and start moving in the right direction and doing the thing that you feel you're supposed to be doing and doors will open. And it just seems like for you that the doors are opening and they just continue to open, you know. So you come now to the point of, you know, I do want to talk about the 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 book, the latest book you have, Fifty Obstacles Black Entrepreneurs Face and How to Overcome Them. Because you know, just when I was in your office and I was flipping through it, there were so many things in there that struck home to me. But mm-hmm. let's let's talk about you know before we get to the book, let's just talk about entrepreneurship for minorities. You made some statements at the be- beginning of the interview about being one person CEOs or. We're the only people that we're going to business. What is the state of affairs for, you know, minority or African-American entrepreneurship today? You know, what's it looking like, you know, from your viewpoint? You know, I won't hold you to facts or anything, you know, but what's yeah. your overall viewpoint? You know, just working with businesses and seeing what's out there. So, I, I, I mean, if I have to be brutally honest, um, black entrepreneurship is in a state of hysteria right now. We, we, you know, there's, there's data that's out there and there's statistics that show that, um, you know, like black women are the number one new entrepreneurs, growing list of entrepreneurial business. But when you look at the, the revenue stream and the sustainability, it's not there. So we're getting a lot of people that's jumping out there, whether they are frustrated with the workplace, whether they're desirable of additional income, whether they're uh, looking for to secure a legacy, they're jumping out there. But what is really, really missing from the, the component of uh, black entrepreneurship is the know-how. And the lack of know-how is one of the obstacles. So, you know, obviously I mentioned 50. Um, the mm-hmm. lack of know-how is just one of the list of things that, stands in our way. But this, this so there's it's it's a double entendre because there's a lack of know how, right? And and one of the things I, I talk about all the time is we don't know what we don't know. So mm-hmm. for example, today right now, you and I can look back and say, Man, had I known five years ago what I know now, I wouldn't have fill in the blank. Right? I wouldn't have done mm-hmm. whatever. Correct. The thing about about us many times is we don't look at ourselves today as five years from the future, right? So we're not looking at our situation today as we are walking around with ignorance that we got to fix. 
And mm-hmm. seeking training or knowledge does not make you stupid or weak. It makes you humble enough to say that I need to fill the gaps or fill the holes of my ignorance, right? So mm-hmm. because we're not culturally conditioned to do that, if you look at our communities, we don't have a, a, a culture in our community that makes it easy for us to transition to entrepreneurship and win. And, and I'm, let me, I'm, I'm trying to like break this down as much as I can without turning this into a Professor Devin session. Like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, yeah, but statistics show that 86% of all Navy SEALs go on to be highly successful entrepreneurs, 86%. Now, in Navy SEAL school, BUD school, the, 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 being part of a, of, a, of, a, of a SEAL unit, SEAL team, they're not talking about entrepreneurship or business. But what they're teaching is certain fundamentals that are transferable to entrepreneurship. They're transferable skills, right? So if you look at that, you will see like, wait a minute. So to be successful in entrepreneurship, you not only need to know how to do your craft or produce a quality product, but there's also additional knowledge that you have to have that's not really taught in the typical classroom. It is, it is also, it's almost like a, it's like philosophy, it's perspective, it's, it's certain things, innate things that you have to possess in order to win in entrepreneurship. And, that, and, and they're, they're, they're human you know, traits such as resilience, consistence, um, determination, uh, discipline, mm-hmm. self-control, uh, team, <laughs> good leadership. Yeah. Yeah. These are those yeah. things. And if you look right. at a Navy SEAL, this is all what they're learning, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're learning yeah. to fight and win at all costs. They're learning how to be uncomfortable. They're taught early on how to be uncomfortable. In our community, that's not really part of our culture, right? So we, mm. So now we take that those things are missing from our culture. And then we grow up and we get frustrated with the job search, with the pay, with the blah, 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 fill in the blank. And then we say, you know what? I'm going to go and start a business. The female, she was divorced. Now she's a single mother and she got to make it happen because there's a deadbeat dad. Now she got to go start a business. But if she's not armed with the preparation and the knowledge in, some of, in many of the areas that, that are not taught in college, She's going to still find frustration in business. Now, if you take the white community, other communities, I don't want to make vilify the white community, but the Caucasian community, but if you look at other communities, many times their culture is designed for entrepreneurship. It's, it's, mm-hmm. They're not being prepped for entrepreneurship. They're not being saying, they're not being taught like, um, we're raising our children to be entrepreneurs so much. Right? But they're raising their children to be focused and successful and not give up and, you know, challenge the mm-hmm. system and do all these different things. And what happens is by the time they're adults, they have a certain wiring or a certain programming that if they do choose to become entrepreneurs, it's an easy transition for them. For us, not so much. See what I'm saying? So – yeah, we can go out and say we're going to get an EIN and start something. 
But how many of us really, really are able to make payroll? How many of us are really able to make things happen? Now, I'm not talking about being a high earner because we can go out and be high earners in someone else's system. So we can be an actor or an athlete or an entertainer on stage and get tons of money and live a great life. But in many cases, even those individuals have no idea how to start a business. They got to hire high-powered, knowledgeable other people to run businesses that they decide to start, or in many other cases, they don't. They just live check to check, even though their check may be $300,000 a month, $500,000 a month, they're still living check to check. So it's a problem culturally for our group, and those are the things that Urban Business Institute feels in our, in our people. I, I actually intentionally embarrass our students. Uh, in class, when they're late, I call them out. I say certain things to them when they don't have a good answer, blah, blah, blah. And and some of them don't make it through the program. Some of them have a certain response or whatever, but, but they don't know I'm doing that intentionally. I'm being Mr. Miyagi, right? So I'm teaching you, like, no, wash my car. You're, think, right, you're thinking you're washing my car. If you're humble enough to keep washing my car, you'll see at the end that I'm teaching you how to fight on the battlefield. Some people aren't humble enough to keep washing my car, so they quit, right? Others, they stick with it, and by the time they're finished, they're like, oh, my gosh, I see exactly what you were trying to do. You were, you were teaching me how to get comfortable with discomfort, how to handle embarrassment, how to handle rejection. You know what I'm saying? And if you're going to sell products or be in business, you got to get ready for that embarrassment yeah, and be able to keep it moving. You're right, you know. And since you brought it up, let's move right into it. Um, the Urban Business Institute, you know, just from sitting there and talking with your, your team, I noticed you do have a different approach to training people. Now I see it's a CO2 6 approach and stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the Institute and what makes you different than the average training program that – you know, other people take what what makes you, I mean, you're teaching the same concepts, but how are you doing it differently? That's creating the millionaires that that you tooted your horn about a little bit ago. What what are you doing different? So so part of what makes us really really tick is we first of all we are individuals myself and any of the facilitators that I uh, enlist are people that can relate to the people in our classes. We've, we've, we're individuals that work jobs, first of all. Mm-hmm. Then we took that and we were able to go out, start businesses, and build them from ground up. We didn't win the lottery. We didn't get an insurance settlement. We grew our businesses organically and got it to a highly successful place. Now, it's one thing that I've learned. Most successful entrepreneurs do not teach other people how to do the same thing. That's just what happens in our community. And people that are teaching others how to be successful, they're not teaching them how to do the same thing because that teacher did not do it themselves. They just learn the sound bites. They're, many times they're being consultants on the side. They're, they have jobs, actually, and they're trying to make some money on the side. So teaching people how to be good business people on the side, you know, it's, they're moonlighting, right? Now, that's not so bad in the sense of 
teaching theory, right? So theory is something that you need to learn as an entrepreneur. The, the, the theoretical side, you can get that in college. You can get that from someone who works a job and doing stuff on the side. Like you can get the theory from them, and, and you'll be just fine in understanding theory. But when you're talking about practicum, getting out there and actually feeling what it feels like, what the pressure feels like, um, if you don't kill anything, you don't eat, that has to come from people that have actually done it. Right? You got terrible. You got terrible. And 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 those individuals also, this is also another requirement, they also must know how to teach it. Because you got people that are very successful but they can't teach it. They can't yeah, they're not good true. communicators. They can't get it the message across and how to matriculate thought. They don't know how to get into the mind of someone and take them from point A to point Z. So that formula and that those requirements and that mixture of, of, of tools, traits that I need in, in individuals is what exists in Urban Business Institute. Now, it's very difficult. I would tell you, it's very difficult for us to get out there and tell people to, to, to join our training um, because so many people from our community, first of all, they don't think they should pay for training or they don't think that they need training. Like I said, we're the smartest we are that we've, we're the smartest now that we've ever been, but we're not the smartest now that, that we ever will be. So, but we're not thinking about the five years from now, we're thinking about the five years that we've passed. So that's kind of hard to kind of like get people to understand that we are different and you're really going to learn something different in our program. And you're going to really get the stuff that you really need in our program to really execute and go out there and make it happen like a Navy SEAL. Mm. And that's the difficulty. But the people that do enroll in our program, if you've seen the testimonies and all that good stuff, yeah. they come out sharper than just about anyone out there from any other college. And I stand behind our training a thousand percent because we come from that position when we're training individuals. So what happens, okay, uh, I'm interested in uh, going to the urban business. So what are the steps? What happens? I just show up one day and go take me, show me? How do people get involved in the institute? Yeah, so, you you, uh, you know, obviously you, you contact us. Um, we put you, uh, you get enrolled in the training, and then, you, you know, you start our program. Um, in the program, there are certain checkpoints that you have to complete before you can go forward. And these are many times they're uh, they're real life checkpoints, right? So I'll just give you some examples. Like you gotta have you gotta go out and get business cards at a certain point. You gotta have a company shirt at a certain point. Um, you gotta have marketing material at a certain point, whether it's banners, flyers, direct mailers, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You gotta have a social media presence at a certain point. Um, you gotta have uh, a report. Like we teach people how to get publicity, so they gotta write certain things at a certain point. Um, there's certain things that we require you to do with your actual business idea before you can continue moving through the, the training and get out of it. Um, after the training is completed, we have some funding partners where we guarantee $100,000 in startup capital for your business. Um, wow. And um, the individuals that we we work with, you know, they say that we send the most qualified individuals like we send quality people that they 
they have never seen before. I mean, they actually came to our headquarters to have a meeting with us because they wanted to know what is it exactly that we're doing with these individuals that make them so highly qualified, like so, you know, uh, quality individuals to start their businesses. So that's part of it. We're not just uh, telling you stuff and then sending you out there, and if it sticks, it sticks. We actually make sure that you're carrying and tooting out in your business. And one of the things that we do too, you know, we have a live business in the building um, that we put individuals in and we observe to see if they retained what we taught them. Um, So we look at them and, you know, instead of sending them out to do internships and we have to hear back from the company they interned with or they have to sign documents saying that the person did a good job. No, it's an in-house internship. We watch you ourselves in our business. Man, that is really different because I'm even thinking about a lot of the programs. We just teach them, but I really like your checkpoint scenario. Like you have to hit those checkpoints in order to move forward. I mean, that is really tight. And and those are all things that I'm listening to. Matter of fact, you're going down the list. I was going, okay, I got that. I got that. I'm going to checkpoints in my mind. I got that. that, (laughs) Right, right. You know, but I think they're so important. Um, And then there's another one where you have to – we put you with, we partner you with uh, one or two people in the class, and we make you do a pitch for capital. So you have to pass a, you know, like a, a Shark Tank pitch. Um, wow. That's another thing that you have to do. We make you get comfortable with public speaking. Um, we make you know your business, know your numbers, know your idea, uh, and, and then you got to get up in front of the class and pitch to us why we should invest in your business and then answer the questions as if you're in a shark tank as we're going through it. So it's pretty different because we're really trying to see you produce a live business that's going to be very successful and ultimately become generational. Um, You know, I'm, you know, I'm wishing here I had more time. We're winding down here because I hope you you got time. I can get with uh, your people and get you back on here. Uh, man, I think I need to do a webinar with you because I'm writing down stuff. I'm like thinking, I need, I need to come over there. I was going to talk about teaching. I think I may need to take some workshops. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, just tell me, you know, kind of wrap it up here. Um, what are, you know, if somebody's in that stage at this point in their life where they're thinking about making these changes, what are the two or three steps that you would want them to do to think about? before they got started. I mean, the last step being join the Urban Institute. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, but, yeah, what you really yeah, have to do is... Yeah, Let's what you ahead. really have to do is... Hello? Yeah, you're here. Yeah. One of the first things I think that you have to do is start uh, nurturing your mind. You got to nurture your mind, so that means you got to uh, digest certain TV programs, reading the right books, uh getting that stuff going then you got to change your habits you got to institute more frugal financial habits more discipline and more self-control and of course the third thing you need to do is change your environment so if you don't have people around you that's reinforcing certain things in your life you got to get away from them i don't care if they're your blood brother your mother your father if they're toxic and they're causing you to be to stagnate in your life you got to get away from them that's one of the most important ones. I see more people with toxic people around them than anything. 
So if I wanted to join or come to the Urban Business Institute, how do I find it? Where do I go? What do I do to get to it? Yeah, you just go to the website, urbanbusinessinstitute.com. Um, once you do that, your phone numbers are there, emails are there, and, you know, my people will take you and steer you in the right direction. Just urbanbusinessinstitute.com. Yeah, I, I tell you, Professor, I, uh, you know, we've had conversations, short conversations, and every time I have one with you, I always walk away thinking, like, wow, okay, and you said some pretty powerful things today. I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you have a quite a tight schedule. I want to thank you people for, i tell you this, too, just, just kind of kudos to you. Your people represent you well. Okay. Oh man, thanks. I, I want to let, let you know that from the first meeting, um, they represent not only you, they represent what your organization is trying to do very well. So I'm very excited about looking to the future and working with all of you to try to change the space of entrepreneurship. So um, I hopefully I'm going to be doing some things in the near future. I'm going to let you involved in it. I want people to hear your voice more and more because you, you've said some very important things. So hopefully you'll uh, stick with me and let Absolutely. me uh, put you out there. Absolutely, man. You you got me. I appreciate you bringing me on. And, you know, I sense the connection from the from the time we met. You know, I look for yeah. genuine spirit, genuine stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I'm a really, I'm a quick read on people. And I don't waste a lot yeah. of time with people. I've, I've kind of been known to do that. So uh, <laughs> I I felt a different vibe with you, and I, from then I said, Nah, I'm comfortable with Brother Mark. Right. Whatever he needs, right. I'm there, no problem. All right. All right, well we're gonna make it happen, man. I want to thank you for taking the time, and I'm gonna get you back on here. But uh, you have a pleasant rest of your day. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. You too. All right. All right. All right, people. You heard it tonight. Things you got to do to make changes. The thing I want you to just do the most is get rid of those toxic people. They got to go. They got to go now. Even if it hurts you, think about how much growth you'll gain later on. So make a plan to do that. You got six months left in the year. Get rid of those toxic people. You can move on through the rest of the year. And if you're curious about how to start a business, go to the Urban Business Institute. New ways, learning new things. Be part of Seal Team Six. I like to use that as a as a way to do things. So hope you enjoyed the show. And I look forward, as I say, to our next encounter.